Hey everybody, and welcome to the FBC Livingston Podcast. After this episode, please subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. You know, I, I grew up in a home, you know, and, and some of you may differ from this and, you know, don't judge my parents for this, but I grew up in a home that when I messed up and when I made a mistake and when I got in trouble, punishment would happen. And what I mean by that is there would be a belt that would be lightly crossed upon my rear end, okay? Not lightly, but that's what happened at my house when I messed up. There was no gray in truth. I mean, there was no gray, it was black and white, and there was truth that was administered to me. Are y'all with me? Some of you maybe, some of you can, can, can say that, but I, I did, I grew up in a home where truth was administered, and truth was black and white, and there was no gray there, but I'm also thankful that I grew up in a home that understood grace. There was an understanding there. To a certain point. That's what I want to talk about this morning. Is grace and truth. Okay? Grace and truth. So I, I want to I repeat the verses that Jackson already has read because I asked him to read those. In John chapter 1, and they're not going to be on the screens just because it was intentional. In John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, It says this, in the beginning was the, what? The Word. Who's the Word? Jesus. Okay, I just want to make sure we're, we're all, um, Jackson's already given you the answer, I just make sure you listened. So it says, it says, in the beginning was the Word. So does that mean that Jesus existed in the Old Testament? Absolutely. Do you, does that mean that the Holy Spirit existed in the, in the Old Testament? Absolutely. That the Trinity ex existed, okay, I, I don't mean to get off on that. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now, skip to verse 14. Now, if you come on Wednesday nights, we don't skip any verse, all right? But skip to verse 14. It says this, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory. Glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of what, church? Grace and truth. Jesus came full of grace. Jesus came to this world full of truth. For decades upon decades, most people in our country embraced Jesus. Would you agree with that? I mean, for a long time, for decades upon decades upon decades, people in our country embraced Jesus. I'm afraid that's not true any longer. Now, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a doomsday type, type guy, but, but I want to talk about the facts because you and I need to call things like they are. According to Barna Research, and this is a, a, a very 
notable research company. According to Barna Research, 48% of Americans now identify as post-Christian. 48%. Who knows, statistics can be off some, but that's a lot of people. That 48%, I don't mean the world, of the United States of America identify as post-Christian. You say, well, okay, wonderful. What's post-Christian mean? What exactly does it mean? Well, okay, if someone is pre-Christian, what that means is, you know, when we're talking to them about Jesus, they've never heard or they've never truly understood the grace and truth that Jesus wants to give, okay? That's pre-Christian. Well, I think Christian is is pretty self-explanatory, okay? You've accepted the grace and truth of Jesus. But post-Christian, what that means is they are familiar with Christianity and they are choosing to intentionally reject it. Okay, that's what post-Christian is. They have an idea and they understand what Jesus, who Jesus is, what he did. They are just choosing to say, I don't want anything to do with it. That's what post-Christian means. In our country, I think most of you would probably agree that for years and years, faith was the center of who we are. But now, if you're a person of faith, you're on the fringes. Would you agree with that? In our country today, and I think we have to call it like it is, even in Livingston, Tennessee, in some ways. Because if you're a person of faith, you're considered on the fringes. By some, it's considered incredibly negative. Am I ashamed of being a Christian? Absolutely not. Am I, am I afraid? Absolutely not not because the scripture is very clear that the darkness will get darker before christ comes and it's it's happening you know it's getting darker i mean i am what's known and i would assume that the majority of you in in this room right now you are what is known as an evangelical you hear that on you hear that on on the news all the time these evangelicals are doing this, these evangelicals, well, that's what I'm known as. The root word of evangelical, it, it means someone who believes in Scripture and shares the good news. That is a, a very, very plain definition of what an evangelical is. Unfortunately, if you read in the media and you listen to the media today, a white evangelical is often associated with hate and bigotry. We're calling it like it is this morning, right? We are associated, this is horrible, that we as evangelicals, we as, as we consider disciples of Christ, that nowadays in the United States of America, that what we are known for is hatred and bigotry. That's the perception of the world. Am I scared? Absolutely not. Does this mean we're supposed to run for the hills and stay in our churches? Absolutely not. Remember, as the world gets darker, we have to get bright. Because didn't we just read that we are the light? Are y'all with me? Jesus didn't tell us to go hide 
He told us to go into all the world, right? You know, I've been struggling with this statement. Hmm. We don't run away from culture. We are supposed to shape it. But unfortunately, that has not happened. Actually, the opposite has happened. That culture has shaped the church. In, in many instances. But we, we are the light of the world. See, you, you've got to understand that. That we are the light. And when the darkness gets darker, we are the ones that are supposed to spread the light. The light being Christ. Okay, here's the really important question I want to deal with this morning. How do we faithfully live for Jesus in a post-Christian world? How do we do that? How do we live as, as evangelicals? How do we live in a post-Christian world and honor Jesus? How do we do that? How, how do we do that when, when you go to the Tennessee game and they're getting beat? How, how, do you, how do you live for Christ even in a situation like that? Okay, that was a bad illustration. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. All right. The big question is, how do we faithfully live for Jesus in a post-Christian culture? See, if you're a follower of Jesus, you should be thinking about this. The answer is found in John chapter 1, verse 14. I love when the Scripture gives us answers. See, because there's some questions that you might come and ask me, and I might say, you know, I, I, believe it's, I believe it means this, I believe it means this. But this question, there is a black and white answer to it. Look at John 1.14 again. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. There's your answer. We should live by grace and truth. The question being, how do we honor Christ? How do we live our lives in a post-Christian culture? There's the answer. That we live with grace and truth. There's your answer. One of the biggest challenges we have in a church today is loving people both with grace and truth. Stick with me now. One of the hardest things as a church, one of the hardest things as a pastor to do is to love people with grace and truth truth because if we're not careful we can sway one side to the other you with me but as a church as 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 evangelicals as disciples of christ we have to embrace both we have to embrace grace and truth some of you um, some of you grew up in a culture that was truth-centered you know what I'm talking about by that? I grew up in a culture that was truth-centered. In other words, somebody tried to beat truth into me over my head. I'm just being honest. And I would imagine this area, the, the short amount of time that I've been in this area, many of you probably grew up in that culture to where you were just sort of beat over the head with truth. And you were, you know, well, you can't do this, and you're going to hell if you do this, and you're going to, you can't do this, and you can't do that, and you can't do this. There were probably many of us in this room that grew up in that kind of culture. Well, the other side of that is all grace. 
And if I could just say a little bit more about that, that's probably more common today than it was, say, 50 years ago. Because if we, if we are just living by grace, and that's all we're offering people, actually a popular saying is, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're happy. Because Jesus loves you. And Jesus wants the best for you. And those are all true. But you cannot live just by grace. Because all of a sudden, truth without grace. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. What happens when we live with truth, but we don't show grace? Okay, let's stick to that just for a second. What happens when we only take one of those things? Because Jesus says we're supposed to live by truth and grace. Actually, he said grace and truth. But what happens? What happens when we live only with truth? And someone comes in this building, or we go and we talk about our church, and we only live by truth. What happens? Listen to me. Now, please don't throw things at me quite yet. All right, give me a chance to explain myself. Truth without grace. Do you know what it leads to? Rules and rebellion. Truth only without grace. What it leads to in this church is rules and rebellion. Legalism. Maybe you grew up this way. You had a rule for everything. I did. I had a rule for every single thing. I'm not against rules. Please don't misunderstand that. But if rules are all we have, then eventually it turns to rebellion. See, I think, this one's for free, okay? I think, I think that's why some of the, many of the established churches are dying. Because we have been all about rules, all about regulations, all about truth without grace. See, but you've got to have both. See, legalism is, is you follow the rules to be right with God, and if you do something wrong, then you're not right with God. See, that's what truth is without grace. It leads to rebellion. Well, what's rebellion? Any, any of you ever rebelled in here? You don't have to raise your hand. I have. I have. I have rebelled against rules. I have rebelled against regulations when that's all it was. When no one explained to me the grace of the other end of it, I rebelled against it. What is rebellion? Well, rebellion is I know what's right and I don't give a rip. That's what rebellion is. I, 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 don't know, I, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to be rebellious. See, the challenge is, is that we have as human beings is that we're naturally rebellious. You with me? As human beings, we are naturally rebellious because of that carnal nature that lives inside of us. That sinful desire that lives inside of me. See, we are naturally rebellious. If you don't believe me, look at any two-year-old. Come on now. If you don't believe me that we are naturally rebellious, you look at any two-year-old because I used to judge two-year-olds until I had three of them. Got one coming up November the 6th. You tell a two-year-old, Karis, don't take your bow out of your hair, even though I don't care whether she has a bow in her hair or not, but Mama does, so I care. You know, Karis, don't you take that bow out of your hair. What does she do? 
Not only does she take it, but she just like, throws it like that. Okay? She's rebellious. Naturally, she is rebellious because she is a human being. Okay? She has that sinful desire living inside of her. Well, just yesterday, I was holding Tate. He'll be 2 November the 6th. He hit me in the face. I don't mean to slap him. He had a balled up fist and he hit me in the face. Actually, part of me was like, that's my boy. But anyway, <laughs> I, he hit me and I looked at him and I said, Tate, no. You don't hit daddy. What do you think he did? He hit me again. <laughs> See, even a two-year-old is naturally rebellious. Don't touch this. And they touch it. The fastest way to raise a rebellious kid is to have rules without a relationship. It's truth without grace. The problem is, is that it's been truth, 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 truth. And people nowadays living in a post-Christian culture, they say, I don't want anything to do with that. If that's all we're about, Oh, believe me, the truth will be proclaimed here. Believe me, I'm not, I would never stand away from that. But we have to realize and we have to know that, that maybe we're living in a different time than it was 30 years ago. That we've got to proclaim, there's, there's got to be some grace in with the truth. Okay, but wait a minute, what about the other side? What about grace without truth? Well, grace without truth leads to do whatever and believe whatever. See, if we have grace with no truth, suddenly people will say, well, I can do whatever I want. God understands. Nobody's going to tell me how to live my life. My fear is this. Please listen to me. My fear is this, is that there are so many people today that are getting little uh, snippets of Jesus. Does that make sense? Just enough Jesus to make them feel good but not enough to make them different. Let me say it this way. Having a little bit of Jesus is sort of like getting the flu shot. You know, and I have gotten my flu shot. You know, and actually, here's the story of my flu shot here in Livingston, Tennessee. I walked into Walgreens to get my flu shot, and I walked in, and the pharmacist came out, and she said, I hear you're going to cry. <laughs> Honest to goodness, truth. My wife had just gone in before and told the pharmacist to tell her that. But anyway, that was, my, that was my flu shot story. But I'm not a doctor, so I can't be totally accurate. I may not be totally accurate on this, but I'm told that when you get the flu shot, you're actually getting just a little bit of the flu virus. You're getting a little bit of it to make you resistant so that you don't get all of it. You with me? My great fear is today that there are so many people that you've gotten just enough of Jesus to keep you from experiencing the glory and the power of having all of him. You have just enough to make yourself feel good, but not enough to totally transform you into pursuing him and living in a way that eternally makes a difference. See, it's grace without truth and what that what, what happens is if we lead like that it leads to i can do whatever i want to do because jesus loves me you ever heard that before i have 
I, I don't know for what reason, but I, in student ministry, I heard that a, a lot. Well, okay, well, well, Jason, if God forgives me, then why can't I just go do what I, what I want to do on Friday night? And I'll, I'll just ask for his forgiveness on Sunday. I'm afraid it doesn't work that way. What's interesting is, in John's gospel, grace comes before truth. That's the reason I corrected myself all ago. Look, look at it in your copy of God's Word. Grace comes before truth. Now, now, I can't prove this, and this is just my theory, okay? So I, I'm not trying to take Scripture out of context or anything like that. But perhaps grace is listed before truth because we need to lead with grace. Stick with me. Hold on. Don't, don't call me a heretic quite yet. That's why I've said so many times that we as a church body, we need to be full of grace before even preaching the truth. Let me say why I say that. Because somebody needs to know that I love them before they're going to listen to me about the truth. Somebody needs to know I need to build a relationship with this individual before they're going to listen to me when I talk about the truth. So if someone comes in here, we've got to lead with grace and show, yes, we love you. You may not be like us, and you may not look like us, and you may smell different than us, but we love you. Come on in here, then we're going to teach you about Jesus. We're going to teach you about the truth. The truth is there, but listen, Jesus came and he was full of what? Grace and truth. And if Jesus was full of grace and truth, so should we. See, we need to be a safe place where people can feel loved. I want people to feel welcome. Even before they believe everything that we think they should believe. I'll say it this way. We need to be a safe place for people to belong before they behave like Scripture teaches. Listen to me, church. This one's hard. This one's difficult. Our message is not behave like us and you can be a follower of Jesus. That's not the gospel. The gospel is come follow Jesus and he will lead you to eternal life. It starts with Jesus, it ends with Jesus, it's not behavior-based, it's Christ-based. See, grace and truth, we have got to recognize, and this is so important, church, that the post-Christian generation is very skeptical about the truth. You don't believe me, you, you, you go into Cookville somewhere, you go into Livingston somewhere and you talk, start talking about Jesus. You don't believe me, you, you go do those things. And you will quickly find out that there is a post-Christian world that we have got to be light to. That it is imperative that we be a light to a dark world. See, the people that I deal with today that are not church people, the people that I would consider post-Christian, they don't necessarily care about what I preach about until they know that I care for them. Does that make sense? Someone in today's society, I'm not talking about 50 years ago, I'm talking about in today's society, in 2020, if I were to go to Livingston Academy, and if I were to talk about Jesus, I guarantee you, I'd be talking to somebody at that school like that. Well, yeah, I've heard about Jesus, but yeah, I, don't, I don't really care to, I'll trust him later on. And I'm not just trying to pick on high school students because it's all over, it's, it's across the board. 
How do we present Jesus full of grace and truth? Well, who is Jesus? He is the Word made flesh. He is the Lamb of God for the sins of the world. He is the living stone. He is the living bread. He is the bread of life. He is the living water. And when Jesus, when he came, he came full of grace and truth. So when Jesus came, he condemned hypocrisy, right? Didn't he? Well, that's truth. Truth. He condemned it. That, 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 that's truth. But yet he comforted sinners. That's grace. See, whenever the Pharisees were out, when they were out of line, Jesus called them on it. That's truth. See, when there are people, even within our church, do you understand that we're supposed to call you on that? See, I, I understand church discipline is not a popular thing anymore. I, I get that. I completely understand that. I, believe me, I completely understand that. But when the Pharisees were out of order, Jesus called them on it. See, that's truth. But the immoral woman who had been with many men, Jesus said, hey, I'll, I'll offer you living water and you'll never thirst again. See, that's grace. And when they turned his father's house into a place of profit, you remember what Jesus did? I love the righteous anger. The righteous anger came out of our Savior, and he flipped the tables over. See, that's truth. And then he went to a tax collector, essentially a criminal. And he said, come follow me because we're going to change the world. That's grace. when there was a woman that was caught in adultery. And I've always thought that was interesting that she was caught in the act, because that's what Scripture says. But all these religious guys were trying to trap Jesus, and they drew a line in the sand, sort of, kind of. And they looked at Jesus, and they say, well, the law of Moses says this, that this lady's got to be stoned. Well, that's truth, right? That's in the Old Testament. The law says... Because of what she did, she has to be stoned. What do you say, Jesus? You remember what Jesus did? That's the craziest thing. Jesus knelt down. He began to write in the sand. We don't know what he said. There are people that think he was writing the sins of those men that were going to condemn her. Huh. Well, you know the story. They left one by one. Because Jesus said, hey, the first of you without sin, throw the first stone. And the scripture says that they left one by one. Huh. Jesus looked at the young lady, no doubt a broken lady. And he said, ma'am, where are your condemners and she says there are none that's grace and then he said okay go and live your life however you want to because you're forgiven no Jesus didn't I just seen if you paying attention Jesus didn't say that what Jesus says he said now go your way and what sin no more is what he said 
Well, that's truth. See, Jesus came full of grace and truth. How do we live faithfully for Jesus in a post-Christian world? We live with grace and truth. Every time, please don't lose me, every time that religion drew a line, what did Jesus do? He crossed it. Why did Jesus cross the line? Not to get to the other side. Jesus crossed the line because there were people on the other side of the line. Praise Jesus, that was me. I was on the other side of the line at one time in my life. But my Jesus stepped across the line that religion tried to draw, and he loved me enough to step over the line. See, we serve a Savior that's a line crosser. And see, we have to be line crossers. That we're not going to allow religion to draw some lines or rules and regulations. We're going to step across those because Jesus loves the people on the other side of the line, and so should we. You know what? But when we do cross the line and we come and we show grace and we show love and we show mercy and we show compassion to that individual, you know what we're going to do? We're going to teach them about Jesus. And we're going to teach them about the truth because we are full of grace and truth. It has to go hand in hand. Let me tell you what's not going to reach the people in Livingston, Tennessee. Truth, truth, truth without grace. Let me also tell you what's not going to reach the people in Livingston, Tennessee. Grace, grace without truth. When Jesus came, he came full of grace and truth. He crossed lines to show grace and to show truth. He did not draw lines to keep people out. He crossed lines to bring them in. Let me make to you this statement for those of you that are more truth-oriented. As long as I'm your pastor, I will never stop proclaiming the truth. As long as I'm your pastor, I make that promise, I make that covenant to you that I will always proclaim the truth. Even when sometimes the truth hurts. So in a post-Christian culture, how do we faithfully live for Jesus? We lead with grace, and we never, ever, ever compromise the truth. See, when you know the truth, doesn't it say that the truth will set you free? See, because a post-Christian culture thinks that truth is oppressive, but truth is very, very far from that. Because the truth is a whole lot more than just a word. It's not a what, it's a who. Because Jesus is the way, the life, and the truth, right? He is truth. So, so when, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And when you meet his grace, you'll be overwhelmed that God could love you so much that he sent his son to die for Thank you for listening to today's episode. For more information about our church, please go to www.fbclivingston.com. We'll see you soon.